Let's go. Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey there, folks. Oliver here this week. Uh, I have a very exciting interview with Barath, uh, who is the VP of Expansion from Bounce, uh, about their growth in India. Um, they've raised uh, a lot of money, um, and it was, in my mind, one of the most interesting interviews that I've done to date, um, as we talk about the role that shared micromobility can play in highly constrained transport systems in developing countries. But before we dig into that, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Twilio IoT. Shared micromobility is a deceptively hard business. If you keep losing your connections to these vehicles, you will soon be out of business. And that's where Twilio IoT comes in. They provide SIMs and a cellular connectivity platform to seamlessly connect in over 180 countries. Twilio helps companies like Lime, Spin, Skip, Beam, and others to cost-effectively scale faster, deploy further, and optimize their supply chain. Twilio is also the leader for SMS and phone verification APIs to help reduce fraud and improve user experiences. So are you an operator looking for the right global cellular connectivity partner to scale with? Twilio is offering free SIMs and test credit to Micromobility podcast listeners for a limited time. Click the link in the podcast description for more. And with that, over to Barath. Welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today Barath. Uh, who is the VP of Expansion from Bounce. How are you going today, Barath? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me uh, on the show. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, look, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I, uh, uh, I've just actually hopped, I've been reading through the Uno Motors scooter report, looking mm-hmm. at the global state of the, uh, of the industry, which I'm sure you're probably mm-hmm. familiar with. Uh, and uh, they were, they're, they're like just gaga over the Indian moped and especially electric moped um, sharing market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't quite realized just how big uh, Bangalore uh, was. I mean, it's like, in and of itself, it's the largest city for, for e-moped sharing globally. And it's actually bigger than the, like, the, the bottom 76 markets with shared scooter systems. Um, so it's uh, very timely that we get to, uh, we get to interview you. I'd love, I'd love for, uh, for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be at Bounce. And then we can dig into to sort of what Bounce does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, uh, so it's a bit of a long story uh, on how I sort of ended up at Bounce. In 2016, I did a long road trip, me and uh, three other friends. So four of us, we drove from London to Bangalore by car. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and one of the countries uh, that we had to pass through was China. And we passed through the northwest part of China, which uh, is really not the most you know, urban or developed part of China. The urban developed part of China is on the east, Shanghai, Beijing, and, and uh, you know, all of those lovely cities. Um, but even in the northwest part of China, what amazed me was there were lots of vehicles on the road, but they didn't make noise. And, um, you know, it, my brain didn't know how to process that. And it seemed it was a new thing. And it felt like you're watching a video game uh, with vehicles moving by, uh, and there's absolutely no noise. And it turns out that even in sort of rural or semi-urban uh, areas in, in China, most two-wheelers, uh, actually all two-wheelers are electric. I was fascinated by that. Um, and this was back in 2016. And I, I was wondering uh, why this is not happening in India. Um, so I wanted to start up uh, uh, 
a two-wheeler company uh, in India. Uh, so after I came back to India, I spent some time trying to get get it off the ground. Uh, it didn't take off, uh, but that was how I got interested in the in the mobility space and the electric mobility. Uh, and since then, I've been sort of uh, dabbling in that space, uh, trying to see you know what what else could be done. Tried to learn a few things uh, uh, over some courses on the internet. Uh, spoke to different people. Visited Europe, uh, where this is to, you know uh, a little more advanced uh, than here, uh, to learn uh, how they do it. Uh, and then when I got, then I got introduced to Bounce, and Bounce was solving the mobility problem. Um, and and to me, it was a huge opportunity to sort of be a part of that solution, um, as well as to sort of take electric mobility to India through the shared mobility. So that's how uh, sort of ended up at Bounce. Um, prior to this, uh, I was at a small startup called Belong, which was a SaaS company that's trying to uh, automate uh, recruiting using AI and ML. Um, prior to that, I was with Groupon in India. I built and ran Groupon uh, in India from uh, almost uh, from zero revenue to a multi-million dollar business. Prior to that, I was in consulting in Dubai, prior to that an MBA, and prior to that, I was at Yahoo for about seven years in the US. Oh, awesome. Excellent. Oh, wow. Um, and so with the with with the team at Bounce, how long ago uh, was the company founded, and how long uh, you know how long has it been around? Yeah, so the company of Bounce uh, was founded in two thousand fourteen. Um, they started with luxury rental business. Uh, so what that meant was, so in the the founders themselves were and still are uh, bike enthusiasts, and uh, they wanted uh, to buy you know a, a Royal Enfield a Bullet, uh, and there were. Uh, it was a waiting period of about 10 to 12 months. And so they said, hey, I, but I really want to drive it. Can I rent this? And uh, they found out that there were no rentals uh, available, uh, uh, you know, in this whole market. So then they decided, uh, they said they thought it should exist. And so they created this company to rent luxury uh, motorcycles uh, to anybody who wants to use it. Because most of us would love to, you know, ride a Harley Davidson or a KTM or, a, you know, a, a big bike. But... Uh, we don't either want to pay for it. It's very aspirational experience. So they decided to to uh, start this business. It did very well. It's still doing well. Uh, so 2014 to 2016 is uh, this business was running, and you know that's so, so. the beginning of the mobility journey for Bounce and the founders was in 2014. Um, uh, so they deeply understood bikes, uh, you know, uh, tech solutions around you know where to track the bike and all of that uh, for, uh, from 2014. In 2016, the first metro line came up in Bangalore, uh, where Bounce is based. And then they saw an opportunity to provide first mile and last mile solutions to people using the metro. So uh, they approached the Bangalore uh, metro and got a contract to place Bounce vehicles at the metro station. And so they said, uh, so it worked very well because somebody would get off the metro, pick up a Bounce bike, take, to, take it to their office, keep it with them. Uh, and in the evening, return back to the metro on the same bike and leave the bike there at the metro station. Somebody else in the evening would get off at the same metro, take that bike, go home and bring it back the next morning. So this was, you know, early days of mobility in 2016 in India, done using a combination of tech mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, a manual slash offline mechanisms. Um, so that business did well too, and and people were paying up front for the whole month. They said this is great. We uh, this is a perfect price point. Uh, it's predictable. I don't have to negotiate with anyone. Uh, there are no surge prices. It was cheaper than any other form of transport except public transport, right? 
um, and public transport didn't take them to to the last mile. Didn't take them to uh, to their office. So this they paid up for the whole month. So twenty two days of working days. Uh, so two rides a day. So forty four rides. They paid that up up uh, at the beginning of every month. Um, and so that was the, also the beginning of uh, you know a bounces sort of realization that uh, this is a huge market and there's great product market fit. So this continued for two years, and in September two thousand eighteen, bounce truly started the the dockless model, which is the free floating, pick up anywhere, drop anywhere solution for scooters. Uh, yeah, and since then uh, it's been growing very heavily. Um, again, it's it's super product market fit. If two people actually use the scooter and uh, share the cost, it's cheaper than public transport. It's uh, about one sixth or one fifth the cost of an Ola or an Uber. Uh, Right, so it's right. Uh, it is solving uh, a huge problem at a very affordable cost, and it's frictionless. Uh, it's very liberating, um, no negotiations, no surprises, um, and you just open the app, find a scooter near you. Um, and just to clarify to the audience, when I say scooter, uh, scooter is the word we use here in India, uh, but uh, I think the, in Europe uh, they call these as mopeds. So th- what I'm talking about is a form factor like a Vespa. Um, so yeah, it it worked well, and then um, yeah, it's just been growing. Today we are a, if we put bikes on the road, they get used. We are a completely today supply constrained business. There's almost infinite demand for something like this uh, in India. Um, yeah, so that that's been Bounce's journey so far. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I I would love for you to take us through the context of urban transport in India, and and I say mm-hmm. that because I'm fairly sure most of the audience here are. Either, well, maybe they've been and spent some time in India, but, um, you know, most of us are, uh, you know, Europe or, or US based. Um, I've spent a bit mm-hmm. of time in India and one of the things that always just struck me about about getting around any cities there is just how, it's just how, things that I thought would take, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes. It was like, no, it takes two hours to get across the city and it's just, just sort of stuck. Uh in the vehicles and typically in cars and so you know you go wow i mean i would love to have an option where i can get across the city quickly um talk me through the context into which these vehicles are actually being introduced yeah so uh just to set some context there right so india and indians spend more time on the road and spend more on commute as a share of wallet than any other major economy and and this is due to four big factors we have a 1.3 billion population we have low affordability, lack of public transport, and lack of capital and real estate to expand the infrastructure. Right? And our current mobility solutions are broken. Now, only 18% of Indians own private vehicles, and sales are declining. Uh, actually, 2019 is, is a terrible year for automotive uh, industry in India. Sales are declining due to lack of affordability. Cab-hailing companies only reach the top 5% uh, of the population that, uh, that needs to commute. And they've already hit a ceiling uh, uh, due to the price point. Um, they are not growing exponentially, or they are not they forget exponentially. They're not. They're not growing uh, in many cities in India. They're not growing. They've reached the ceiling. And then the third is although public transport wow. public transport is affordable, it hasn't scaled right, and it has practically zero presence in tier two and tier three cities. When available, it is overcrowded, unreliable, and doesn't really solve for the last mile connectivity. Right. Um, so one realistic way, so how do we solve this, right? So it's a huge population, there is urbanization, uh, affordability of vehicles is an issue and public transport is 
not not really where it should be. I mean, the government is doing a great job. Uh, it's getting better every day, uh, but it's still not, uh, you know, uh, solving. Uh, it's not sort of uh, so, uh, available to everybody who needs to go uh, where they need to go, right? Um, India is a two-wheeler country. Uh, if you've visited India, I'm sure you've seen this. We sell about 20 to 25 million two-wheelers uh, every year, right? We have about 120 million uh, two-wheelers on the road. Uh, registered right so the the market for scooters or mopeds is mature we have it's we have seven decades of two-wheeler history in india uh, which means we know um, so when i say two-wheeler history it, it comes from all sides so the manufacturers have been around for seven decades so they build platforms of two-wheelers that are uh, very suitable to indian conditions and there's an ecosystem around that the supply chain all of that is very mature it's been around for years right uh, as cities and as a population, we're very used to it. Uh, it's when you become a teenager, uh, even though the you know the legal age for for getting a license is 16, one of the first things you do is to learn how to ride a, a two wheeler. It's like almost like a rite of passage uh, in India. So everybody yes. knows how to uh, ride a two wheeler, right? Um, and since the form factor is existing, uh, cities are very familiar with it. Uh, Entire infrastructure, government bodies, everyone's familiar with it. So we don't, it's not a new form factor that, uh, you know, in many parts of the world, mobility solutions introduce a new form factor. So then you have to worry about, okay, what kind of regulations will apply to this? Will it be on, uh, on go on the footpath or will it go on a bike lane or do we have to cre create a separate lane for this and so on? So it's a solution that the entire country is used to, right? Uh, and the cost of the scooter is about $800. Uh, okay. So that that eight hundred dollars is for the cost of a of a petrol scooter, or is is or is that the cost of a, an electric scooter? It's the cost of a petrol scooter. An electric scooter um, will will cost about thousand dollars today in India, so slightly more. Okay. Yep. Excellent. So so as you say, you've got a lot of people who already uh, you know have known how to ride them, and in that regard as well, there's like large amounts of private ownership as well, right? For the for scooters. So th there is a large yes. uh, amount of ownership, but if you consider it as a fraction of people who need to commute, uh, it's low. So for example, in Bangalore, Bangalore has a population of about uh, you know uh, close to 15, 16 million people, but we have six thousand five hundred buses only to transport. Uh, you know, that transport, let's say about 5 million people a day. Uh, and the rest, uh, even wow. the people who okay. use buses need other forms of transport to get to where they need to get to. And uh, the rest have to depend on other forms of transport. So affordability uh, is still an issue, even though, it, you know, a lot of people do own two wheelers here, but there is a significant uh, population that needs to commute that cannot afford it. Um, and that's why public transport and, and solutions like ours, uh, you know, are really sort of uh, helping them move. See, one of the things we believe at, at Bounds is that mobility is a fundamental right. We've sort of, uh, that's been our uh, sort of realization, I would say, over the last uh, 10 to 12 months. Um, when we have seen how people have, you know, taken to what we're providing, it's if, if you are not able to move and if you are not able to get to your workplace or wherever you need to get to, if you're not able to get there, in an affordable and sustainable manner, then then you know you're not going to be able to earn a living. You're not going to be able to do what you need to do. So we believe it's as fundamental as food, clothing, and shelter, and that's the impact uh, that we think we're creating, uh, and we want to create even more in in cities that we operate. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, there's a there's someone called Alex Roy who uh, is a is a he's a, an editor at the Drive and also works for an AI company. But he he's come and talked at our at our conference in uh, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and he has a this idea of universal ba- basic mobility, not universal basic income, but actually universal basic mobility. Yeah. Um, which he which he believes micromobility can can help underpin. Um, I, I think it's a very relevant concept, and I certainly I certainly think that I um, we'll see more and more of. Um, calls for this sort of thing um in in the future as well um so that's that's a look thank you for for giving that context as well one of the one of the things that we uh on this podcast we've been going through is is recognizing that actually the majority of the growth uh for for micromobility is we think going to be in in cities around the world that at the moment are seeing really rapid levels of growth so so for example uh a lot of cities in india but also a lot of cities in africa where being able to adapt at scale and at speed to the rapid urbanization, won't, we won't be able to replicate the same systems of mass transit and other and other other forms of um, kind of moving people on mass as what we have seen in, in maybe some of the you know the, the cities that have been able to grow uh, into their urban populations over the period of 100 or 150 years, um, and that and that that's where solutions like for example. Um, you know, proper shared micromobility might actually be able to um, satisfy uh, this this demand for mobility, as you say, which is pretty much unlimited. Um, so, talk me through. So, for the operations that you guys have with Bounce, how many cities are you in? Um, get any any figures that you can release about um, you know the number of scooters that you have on the road and all that sort of thing it would be would be really useful context. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll probably also send you an, uh, an official email with uh, with these numbers, but. We have uh, about 20,000 scooters on the road uh, today. We are operating in two cities, uh, in Bangalore and Hyderabad. And this is, I'm talking about the uh, Bounce's dockless model. The Our uh, rental business, which I spoke to you earlier, is, is there in about 12 cities in India. But our dockless uh, you know, uh, solution, uh, free-floating solution, is there in two cities. Uh, Hyderabad, we just launched about a month uh, and a half ago. Um, we're doing uh, close to uh, 100,000, a little more than 100,000 rides a day today. And each each bike, uh, on average, does about uh, seven, eight, sometimes ten rides a day. Excellent. And what's the mix between electric and gas? So for the for the Dockler system, what's the mix between electric and gas? Yeah. So electric uh, is a very small part of it uh, today. We've just uh, launched a few hundred uh, on our fleet, uh, and the main reason for that is uh, India doesn't really have a lot of electric scooter choices today. That that we can sort of you know, place our uh, bets on. Um, and so what we're doing is uh, sort of developing the ecosystem along with uh, other stakeholders, so vehicle manufacturers, battery manufacturers, other people in the ecosystem to develop uh, this and to sort of, uh, you know, make the shift to electric. And that's why, and we're at the beginning of that journey today. Um, we personally, I personally, and also Bounds, we want to get very quickly to a point where uh, we don't have to order any more petrol scooters. Uh, we are not there today, but we're moving aggressively towards that. Um, we feel that there are, so one important thing to understand uh, about India and when you compare it to the rest of the world is in most parts of the world, electric mobility has taken off in some form before shared mobility really took off, right? So electric, like for example, Tesla was able way before, you know, Bird and Lime came in or, or you know, it, so all of this and even in Europe, it's the same. In India, shared mobility has taken off via uh, before electric mobility. And therefore, the way electric mobility will sort of penetrate is via shared mobility. 
and therefore at bounds we think we have a huge opportunity yeah, to catalyze this change from from uh, petrol scooters to uh, electric uh, scooters we, have, we are sitting right in the middle and we have a huge opportunity to make this happen i think it was supposed to happen in 5 to 10 years we can should be able to make it happen in in you know 1 to 2 years uh, not only for for us but also for the country to show that this is something that's possible uh, it's a realistic solution it works um, and so on so we are not sitting on the fences uh, when it comes to electric sort of mobility we're sort of really going all in and trying to make it happen yeah absolutely i'd i'd love are there any um early kind of lessons that you have from uh have from operating that fleet of electric scooters and, and what you know are there any unique operational challenges um that you're finding sort of specific to india that 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 you know as you scale into that i like i completely hear you and and i get why um you know <laughs> running running shared fleets is a little bit easier when you've got a, a sort of relatively well established technology and you're not giving yourself extra headaches um but yeah curious about the the lessons that you're you're getting on the electric rollout so one one uh, significant uh, you know um, learning i mean more than learning i think it's it's a uh, it's interesting is that uh, our customers are not used to silent vehicles so uh, it's it's a bit of a customer education hurdle uh, or a, a hump that we are going through right now where you know customers go to the scooter everything works but it doesn't make noise so they they don't start they think the bike is not working and uh, and they either they call us or or uh, you know they find some other scooter that makes noise um but people who who, who ride it love it uh they uh they have a great experience they once they do it they're almost hooked to it they want uh, there's other rides also to be the same um yeah so that's uh, it's we're at the beginning of that journey like i said earlier and uh, it's it's a, i think it's just a matter of customer education which will sh- should take very less time and then we should uh, be able to get a lot of these scooters on the on the road and into the hands of our customers and into the hands of people in india and so for the vehicles that you have on the road so when people walk out of a train station or they want to be able to see a dockless uh, the dockless scooters mm-hmm. um, that you do have operating do you only have scooters or do you have everything right through from sort of you know like a scooter right th- or a moped right through to you know the royal enfield and uh, those other kind of the nicer bikes that you you were talking about and a part of your other business as well or is it just at the moment just kind of quite utilitarian scooters yeah just just utilitarian scooters uh, so that's one thing we've also realized with uh, we have tons of data over the last year that we've collected um customers uh, for commute right and when they don't own the vehicle they just want a vehicle that takes them from point a to point b quickly efficiently and in an affordable manner um it just needs to work how it looks uh, you know it's it's a uh, performance if it goes from 0 to 60 in in you know in 5 seconds that doesn't really matter they just want a reliable solution uh, and that's predictable that takes them to point a to point b so um uh, there we don't see any upside in in um, i mean we could have some niche uh, scooters but we don't see uh that really being necessary to fair insight and then for the the actual operations in terms of you know one of the big things that they talk about on the Uno scooter report which I'll link to in the in the show notes for the for the show um uh is they talk about sort of the three KPIs for for a, for a scooter is you know what's a, or or a scooter sharing system like this is you know what is the utilization or how many how many trips a day is it being used uh, how long is those trips and then what is the fleet availability so how how often do you have breakdowns and and other things mm-hmm. how you know you you've mentioned that you do 7 to 8 trips a day what's the sort of average 
kilometers per trip that you'd be looking at per vehicle and then what's their level of availability and and what are the if there are any um, challenges around being able to keep these vehicles on the road yeah so uh, our average trip distance is about uh, seven and a half kilometers um, so it's not only being used for first mile and last mile but it's also being used for the entire commute that's our average trip distance and there are all kinds of use cases that people use it to commute, to go to work, to go to school, college, uh, parents picking up and dropping their kids at school, running some errands near their houses, uh, using in the weekends to go to, to movies, go to the mall, to go shopping, all kinds of use cases. And interestingly, our weekend traffic is higher than our weekday traffic. Um, so it's just, it's, it's solving a lot of use cases. And as a result of that, our trip distance is not small. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty sizable at about seven and a half to eight kilometers. On average, each trip lasts about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, our availability, uh, not, not 100% of our fleet is available uh, at all times. We have to upkeep uh, these vehicles. Uh, they have some repairs and maintenance issues. You know, they, they may get a flat tire. When we know that the vehicle is on low fuel, we don't expose it to customers. We take it off our fleet uh, and we have to go fuel our operations team as well as customers. We also ask customers to fuel our bikes and, and you know, a significant portion of uh, our fueling is being done by customers today and we incentivize them to do it. So, uh, you know, there, there is some, um, uh, not all of our fleet will be available at any given point of time um, because they all need uh, all our uh, all our bikes need some some regular maintenance. Uh, and and then talk me through um, how it works in terms of being able to deploy uh, fleets onto the roads and in, in the cities that you're in. Mm-hmm. So do, do you have an arrangement or an agreement with the the jurisdictions in which you operate? Do you have to go and get um, approvals as their cap fleet numbers? Um, you know how does that work? Yeah, so we work very closely with the governments uh, where we operate. Uh, when we, and today we are seeing a lot of inbound sort of pull from other governments in the country saying, okay, you really you have a solution that decongests the city and solves the mobility uh, problem for, for the citizens. Uh, so why don't you come to our cities and, uh, you know, help us, uh, you know, uh, why don't you implement the same solution? Uh, so we work very closely with the governments. Uh, we have an act in India called the Rent a Motorcycle Act. And so everything we do is under that act. Uh, the ability to rent a motorcycle to many people is under that. Uh, and many governments are sort of slowly realizing and we're working with regulators to sort of, uh, you know, form the policy and the rules around this. Um, so that's, that's uh, yeah, we work very closely with authorities. We're not, uh, we don't go to a city, you know, put scooters on the road and, and then sort of, uh, you know, work with the government. We go, uh, our first... Uh, you know, instinct and, and what we do always is, is work with the authorities, uh, tell them what we're doing, help them form regulations that sort of uh, meet their needs as well as the citizens' needs for mobility and then take it from there. And so for the cities that you're in, for example, like Bangalore, are there, is there a particular cap on the number that you can go to and is that reviewed or is it sort of a dynamic cap, so based on utilization, for no, example? No, so th- there is no uh, cap and, and we are very, very, very far away from uh, being there. So we have about uh, 20,000 uh, scooters today uh, in a city. Bangalore has 5 million uh, vehicles, right, already on the road. So we're very small compared to the existing number of uh, vehicles already on the road. But our, our vehicles are being used by 8 to 10 people in a day. So we're creating a lot more impact than private ownership. Um, so, and just to give you an idea, so Bangalore has a population of about 15 million. And if you think of, uh, if, from that, if you t- take people below the age of, uh, uh, you know, below legally driving age, uh, if you remove them, I think the people who need to commute are about seven to eight million. Each of them needs to make two trips a day. 
So that's 16 million trips a day that the city needs to uh, sort of facilitate. And uh, we are at, uh, you know, 20,000 vehicles today. And so we are very, very, very small compared to what the city needs. I think we can easily go actually to about 100,000 to a million vehicles uh, in cities. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. That's uh, it's very bullish. Uh, it's great. Um, then it, it talk me through. So, so for the customers that you do acquire, mm-hmm. um, how has that how has that traditionally happened? Mm-hmm. Um, is there you know what what do you find in terms of the channels of how you how you find customers? Do you have a strong? Um, I mean. One of the the reason I asked this question, uh, some of the the scooter operators, the kick scooter operators uh, in the states and and uh, in Europe have very proudly say that they have no marketing budget whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, that the that people just come across their scooters and the fact that they have scooters on the street is the is the very thing that gets people to use them. Mm-hmm. But you guys require driver's licenses, so there is a kind of a higher barrier to entry in some ways to being able to get someone onto your system. Mm-hmm. Curious how you think about that and and what your what your primary methods of um, getting customers is. Yeah, so uh, we are, I think, uh, very similar to what others have told you. For us, uh, a lot of our uh, customers we acquire through word of mouth and through referral. Um, we we hardly spend money. I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I'm saying our marketing budget is zero, but it's it's negligible. Um, we, uh, we are a completely supply-constrained business. Demand is almost infinite. If we put bikes on the road, they get used. So about 90-95% of our users are through uh, word of mouth or through referral. Either they see the scooter or someone's taken a ride and they refer someone else and, uh, and do it. Because it is a solution that's uh, in some ways magical. It's, uh, it gives you the, the experience of having a private vehicle, but uh, at the cost of public transport. Frictionless, no bargaining uh, with anyone. Um, so uh, yeah, a lot of our user acquisition today is word of mouth. Yeah, amazing. And then, so how do you handle the payments? Because the, um, you know, mobile, I know that credit card penetration in India is quite low. So being able to, to get people on board um, to be able to handle the payments aspect of that. How, 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 have you, how are you handling that aspect? So uh, we, have, we have a few payment solutions here. Uh, one of them is, is uh, Paytm. So that's something we will uh, sort of ask the user. That's one option. The other options are, uh, we also have a pay after ride uh, option that we sort of expose to users, but we take a, secu- a deposit for that. So once you have paid deposit, uh, you can you, you take the ride and you can pay after it, after you finish the ride. And you, when you want to pay after the ride, you can do any option. You can use credit card, debit card, banking, uh, any of these solutions. So we do that. Um, we're also working on a variety of other schemes to make it even more frictionless. Uh, we have... Um, you know, uh, loyalty programs, we have uh, uh, bounce cash, so you can load up your uh, bounce sort of wallet and get a frictionless experience when you drive. No need to pay at all because you, you it's just uh, subtracted from your wallet. What is the percentage of users in India who would have a Paytm wallet, uh, you know, in a, in a city, for example? Uh, I actually don't know that number. Um, but I can tell you that a lot of uh, the users that we get are first to credit or, or it's it, it bounce is in many cases the, their first online transaction. So we, we are also getting people used to the internet. We're getting people make their first online transaction because that's the need that we're solving. I mean, we're solving such a fundamental need that, that it's forcing uh, people to get online. 
what it is. Yeah, we uh, we saw similar similar trends in in uh, in China with the bike share, mm-hmm. uh, the bike share bubble of the sort of of 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. when when there was that big explosion, and it was bought. Uh, a lot of those companies were bought by uh, the the wallet. Uh, or they were backed by the companies that, that ran mobile wallets yeah. simply because it drove the, the the kind of the usage patterns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hello bikes was, and yeah. uh, I think Ant yeah. Financial is, is a very good example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and of the companies that you do, uh, of the of the customers that you do have, do you know what your demographics are? Yeah. Our majority is in the 18 to 31, 32 kind of uh, age group. Uh, that's a major customer segment. So people who've uh, going to college have just started earning. Or just sort of hit the legal driving age, um, so that's that's uh, uh, the major sort of uh, section for us. Excellent. And then and then for the um, in terms of accessibility, one of the things that I know uh, is that Vogo, who's the the other major player um, that's also raised very substantial amounts of capital, and we can get into the capital raise thing in just a minute. But um, that that your competition um, have been backed with a partnership with Ola. Uh, Ola is the kind of Uber competitor. Um, for folks who don't know what the Indian rideshare market looks like. Uh, so you've got Ola and then you've got Uber as the two, two larger players in the space, um, but Ola has come along and backed Vogo. Um, so how do you guys think about competing against, um, you know, a company that's got such a high uh, level of integration with rideshare? And what are the other strategies that you find in terms of being able to get your service uh, distributed um, or is it entirely within your own app? You don't have any other sort of integrations or anything? So yeah, uh, Ola has invested in Vogo. Vogo's, uh, one important thing to note is that Vogo's model is slightly different. They are a docked solution. Um, so they, uh, in a way, yes, they offer a commute uh, or the ability to commute or move uh, to customers, but because their model, business model is slightly different, they don't see the level of utilizations of vehicles that, that uh, we see. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know how that plays out. I, I think mobility is such a fundamental need and the market is so big that there is room for many people. So if you think of any product that's a daily need, right? Uh, I mean, uh, like toothpaste, shampoo, uh, you know, uh, soap or whatever, right? These are all, none of these markets have uh, a monopoly or you won't find a single large player here. There's always three or four people at the, who have a major share in the market. And I see mobility also being, at least in major markets, uh, it may not be in other parts of the world where the markets are smaller, but at least in big markets, uh, you know, there's, uh, there could be more than one player at the top. Um, so we, I mean, we're not really worried about, you know, who's backing who. I think we have, we are happy that we've discovered something uh, that is a huge market fit uh, and, you know, customers are using our product, they like it. And we think we have, uh, you know, like I shared earlier, we, we think the market is such that we can do 100,000 to a million vehicles in every city we operate. And speaking of that, curious how you see it plugging into the rest of the transport ecosystem as well in the cities that you do go into. Um, I was reading the Business Standard uh, article about your recent raise and the special officer, the director of of urban land transport was a big fan of you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you have any, um, other than obviously being able to get space at public transport stations, has there been any other sort of level of integration? Yeah, we we definitely, you know, have been talking about multimodal solutions, single payment. So, uh, you know, one payment, but use bounce, use public transport, use buses, use metros and all that. So we've had uh, some conversations with uh, different stakeholders on this. And that's, I think, definitely going to become a reality. Um, we also sort of different sort of schemes to enable first mile and last mile from public transport, not only parking, but, you, you know, other ways to sort of uh, make commute easy. 
for for people uh, a lot of governments uh, you know have seen what's working in in bangalore and a lot of governments in india are sort of asking us to provide some very similar solutions uh, to their cities and we do see in the end i mean uh, there are several several modes of transport right so there is uh, public transport there is what bounce is offering then there is uh, ride hailing car hailing cab hailing uh, then there is bike pool there is bike per taxi uh, we imagine a world when all of these are seamlessly integrated in in one app to the customer so for example you, you want to go uh, a long distance but you need to go by carpool hey we get you a, a bounce bike to get you to the point from which you can take the carpool uh, that way the carpool is efficient and you don't have to pay much for that because they are not coming all the way to pick you up uh and then when you drop off uh, a similar arrangement right so this uh, uh you know we imagine a seamless world uh where the customer has we arrange everything for the customer uh, and you know there are multi hops uh, in their journey and that's seamlessly managed uh, by us well certainly the, the thing that blew me away when i was doing some research on you guys was that even in the first year and a half i think it is that you've been operating in bangalore mm-hmm. um that your of the trips that you're doing uh you've got 42% of bounce rides either originate or culminate at a metro station. Yes. And about you reckon that you're doing about 5% of all metro commuters mm-hmm. are using bounce as their as their mode of uh, first last mile connectivity, yeah. which just blows me away because it's yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty mad. Uh, I just wanted to change tack really quickly to towards the funding landscape. The the last race that you did was the Series C. Um, if I am correct, it was sort of well it, You've raised about 92 million US to mm-hmm. date, mm-hmm. Um, which which is, you know, I mean, parallels the rise of the other uh, kind of the explosive uh, demand for micromobility and that we've seen from a lot of our other bigger players. How has the appetite been for investors when you go uh, and talk to them about um, the solution? For example, when they're comparing it to other, uh, you know, other other investments in the mobility space, how do they how are they thinking uniquely about you? Yeah, so uh, because we've grown uh, quickly in the last year, right? So in just one year, we've hit hundred thousand rides in a city. Uh, I think we've demonstrated that we have a great product market fit and a solution that people love. Uh, and we've really learned uh, and improvised over the last year on tech. I think uh, we're far ahead uh, when it comes to other people in the market on our technology, our understanding of the market, uh, and especially innovations we've made on on hardware and software side for uh, to enable our bikes to be. Uh, used by our customers, so I think we're far ahead. So I, I think when we have conversation with investors today, they are all. Um, everybody understands the demand now. I mean, about six months ago, or, or you know, twelve months ago, uh, the question was different. It was like, okay, is there product market fit? Is there demand today? Today, everyone sees that. Uh, so the next question is really, okay, how are you scaling? Uh, how are you making this an efficient operation? How uh, how are you uh, going to go to other cities? That's the kind of conversation we are having with investors. So. Um, Every investor we meet is positive. All, all uh, investors we've met so far are pretty encouraging, and they see the the potential of this becoming a huge uh, business. Well, look from my perspective, I don't have anything else to that I want to that I want to dig in with you on. But I mean, I just find this I just found this entire conversation completely fascinating because, as I was sort of mentioning uh, earlier, Horace and I in, in earlier podcasts have really been looking at this and thinking, you know, the, the, the potential for micromobility, especially shared, um, internet enabled. Uh, vehicles and then obviously the shift towards electric is, gets it even more exciting but but um, you know even in the early stages 
uh, just really, you're, as you say, you've hit that product market fit and it's incredibly exciting to, to be able to track your growth. Um, I'm very excited to, to see where you guys end up in the next sort of, uh, in the next five years. Um, for folks who want to connect with you directly, are, are you on Twitter? I, I do have a Twitter handle, but I don't use it much. But yeah, you can, you, it's Bharat D, B-H-A-R-A-T-H-D. Excellent. And for folks who want to go and check out Bounce, um, how's, what's the best best way for them to learn about how the the you know more about Bounce is their website or videos, etc. Yeah, there's a Bounce website. There's also a few links, a few articles. I'll send that to you. Super. Yeah, no, that'll be great. I'll include it all in the show notes. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Barath. I really, really appreciate it and uh, look forward to, to watching uh, where you go next. Thanks a lot. Thank you for uh, having me on, on, on this show. And uh, it was really nice talking to you. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again. Great. Thanks. Thanks.